Hi, everyone. Sean Paul Ellis here from the Saturday Morning Cartoons podcast. Remember, that's Morning with You. What is happening during the month of October? Well, it's Spooky Tunes Month here. Yeah, Spooky Tunes. We have one shout out real quick. And what are we talking about today? For the month of October, we are going to be watching and reviewing some spooky and Halloween related cartoons. We took an extra week because we have an interview with author and illustrator Rory Lucy, who has a book that's coming out titled Jonesy, Nine Lives on the Nostromo. And it comes out and it's available October 16th. You can pre-order this now on Amazon. It is awesome. So we have an interview with him and it's Halloween related since his book is based on the sci-fi horror film, Alien. So it's horror cartoons, two horror cartoons as the bread, and the sweet inside is the interview with Rory Lucy. That's the perfect sandwich. We, <laughs> Gang, we are so close to completing our 2018 campaign of Get Bobby Anthem Animated. <laughs> Listener Brian has offered to illustrate Bobby as a cartoon, so we are getting super close to making this happen. If you enjoy video games and Twitch, why would you not? Check out Brian under the gamer tag Typherstein. That's T-Y-P-H-E-N-S-T-E-I-N. Subscribe to his channel now, kindly. He has been incredible uh, with his awesome artistic talent, and we appreciate him. So please show him some love as we help him hopefully get affiliated. He's been playing Fortnite and Overwatch a bunch. I'm hoping to be on there for a couple nights uh, in the near future to watch him play some games. I love video games myself, so thank you, Brian. We appreciate everything you're doing, friend. So what are we talking about today? We are going to be talking about Japanese horror artist Junji Ito, who has a collection of some of his short stories that are available on Verve, V-R-V. Yes, vrv.co. We are not sponsored by Verve in any way, shape, or form, but Verve, if you're listening, please drop us an email because we love each and every one of you. Saturday morning cartoons at Gmail. We have returning guests Jamal Newman and Tony Lazzaroni joining us this week to discuss horror, what makes us scared, what freaks us out, and really kind of get into some of the, the themes and ideas that we get to in Junji Ito's work that freak us the hell out, because this, this is some weird stuff, gang, so get ready. All of this and more on today's episode, so now, on with the show. Welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series coming to you and looking like an oversized and weird Chucky doll from the movie Child's Play. I'll be your host, Sean Paul Ellis. Joining me tonight, we have slow, methodical, and wearing a white Halloween mask resembling Michael Myers, filmmaker, director, and podcaster, Tony Lazzaroni. <laughs> Oh, uh, this is creepy. It's getting real weird. It's getting real weird. I don't because I didn't think Michael Myers ever talked, but still, this is. I mean, I can stay back. quiet for the rest of the episode if you really want that. <laughs> please, please do not. Okay. Me. Okay. All right. And we also have somebody else who is joining us, special guest. Uh, you would have thought that he would have been the first death in this podcast, but defying all expectations for this, 
Welcome back, comedian Jamal Newman. How are you doing? <laughs> God damn it, guys. Hey, thanks for having me back. <laughs> At this point, you have to do your laugh now, your, your horror laugh. My horror laugh would be more like a... <laughs> so, same thing I did. Yeah, Kind of along yeah, the kinda... same thing I did as well. Yeah, I think we just kind of did a three for three. This was a hat trick of creepy laughs. If we were to do them all at the same time, like right now. <laughs> I mean, it's perfect. It's... Oh, my God. Why did you have to do the young kid one? That's the only one that's going to freak me the hell out, Tony. Oh, <laughs> uh, just for fun. Well, we are, of course, doing all these spooky laughs, which, depending on how you're listening and whatever state of mind you are, these are probably just more silly than they are spooky. We're doing all this because we are in the month of October right now, and guess what? It's going to be Halloween at the end of the month, and so we're doing spooky tunes throughout the entire month of October, and to kick everything off, we have an actual special collection of manga turned into an anime series, the Junji Ito Collection that's available. So I wanted to very quickly just kind of get uh, some of your attachments and ideas about this, but um, what was, you know, specifically, did you know that this existed, Tony, the Junji Ito collection, or, or sort of like, what's your connection with Halloween maybe in general? I was not aware of this collection. Uh, truth be told, I'm, I'm not aware of too much in the, you know, Japanese manga anime territory. Uh, not Not my not my major background but uh as far as halloween um i'm not a like a scary movie scary show person like i re- i read goosebumps like every other kid when when i was younger but like there were some of those even where i was just like eh, i don't want to read this anymore <laughs> cuz i'm just I, that's that's never been something that's like you know wholly appealed to me but you know lately there've been stuff that's repackaged it better stuff like Shaun of the dead uh, that that's made it a lot more entertaining and interesting, and you know, so I, I I pay attention now to it more. I think I enjoyed this more now than I would have, you know, uh, five ten years ago. So uh, it's 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 something I'm becoming more aware of. But uh, but yeah, not not as uh, aware to start with. Understood, Jamal. What are your feelings? Did you know that the Junji Ito collection existed? Uh, what's your relationship with Halloween in general? As we kind of build in and get into this kind of creepy month. I had no idea that the Junji Ito collection existed, um, but I, opposite of Tony, love scary stuff, love horror films, love scary movies. Um, so Tony mentioned that you know he watched, he read um, Goosebumps like every other kid. I'm one of the other kids because I did not read um, Goosebumps growing up. I would only look at the book titles, like the covers, the fancy covers, and then be like, oh, that looks like a good read, but not read it. Um, I prefer, <laughs> I prefer like movies, like visual, like scary stuff. So I, I love feeling scared. I love watching a scary film. I'm not one of those people who, if you like, whenever you say you love scary stuff, someone always is like, Oh, who's your favorite director? And I'm like, I, I can't name them. I just like scary. Mo- I'll watch any scary movie, even if it's bad. Um, but I, I <laughs> the thing I like about scary stuff is that I don't believe in ghosts or any of that kind of stuff. So whenever scary stuff happens, I'm like, searching for where what's really doing this what's really doing this sound making this okay. sound what's really behind this so you're like a myth buster and a ghost yeah. hunter all at the same time yeah. <laughs> i'm like i don't i i'm like i don't believe that this could actually happen so 
I want to prove it wrong. <laughs> I, I did not know that you didn't believe in ghosts. No, I don't. You never had like a ghost experience? Nope. Anything like that? Nope. Wow. I'll, I'll say it wasn't a ghost experience, but I am. So I like scary stuff, but I am afraid of the dark because of something that happened when I was a kid. Really? Where I was in a basement of my house and my power went out and I was just hearing sounds. As a kid, that traumatized me. Wow. I, I hate going to any place I'm not familiar with being in pitch black. I can't do it. Like, I'll freeze. But huh. other than that, I still love being scared. Like, <laughs> the feeling of watching some crazy scared. Um, I, I, I'll say I don't like the feeling of that, like the scared of the dark feeling that I get, because that's more real for me. But it's just not being able to see around me or, like, know what's in a room with me. Sure. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't believe in this. I've never had, like, a saw a vision of something Wow. Tony, have you ever do you believe in ghosts, Tony? Uh no, I don't think so. I, I you, you've never had a ghost experience? Uh not that I that I didn't feel like I could explain some way. Like I I'm I've you know, I, I'm of the mindset that there's some sort of scientific explanation for, for all that stuff. Okay. Uh especially because like and honestly I think that like the ghost hunter type shows and stuff like that have ruined it for me. Because I now know enough about video production that I can explain most of those little <laughs> bullshit things they see on, you know, uh, enough where I'm like, well, even the stuff I can't explain, like, there's got to be another bullshit, uh, you know, reasoning behind it of some piece of equipment or something they're using and uh, or or just overhype because a lot of them are just, you know, uh, written in the editing room to make it feel like it's hyped and crazy. And Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think I, I believe in ghosts now. I this, I think this is always funny, Tony, just because I know how much you're aware of video production and editing, and it would be like looking at like the paranormal series of movies that they have. With, mm-hmm. I almost kind of want you to like break. I want to have a screening with you where you break down like all the actual special effects for me, so you can ruin it, so that I'm not scared about it anymore. <laughs> yeah, that would be helpful. Well, you keep in mind with those too. The other thing is they've just got ridiculous budgets, so they can do frame by frame you know, uh, Photoshop animation on that shit and make it look like anything they want to. But, you know, it is what it is. I, I'm doing a, a film for Harold Ramis Film School here that, that it's going to be a bunch of special effects for my for my uh, final film. Uh, does and, this have one to do with, like, a bed out in a field? No, not that one. That was that okay. was my that was my second term uh, uh, film. But this is, this is my final one that will get shown at uh, the Arclight here in, in uh, Chicago at the end of our uh, program. So... Okay, cool. Uh, it'll be it'll be a bigger budget thing. I'm trying to rent some nice stuff and make it look good, but okay. we'll see. <laughs> oh, exciting. Uh, uh, Tony's uh, reminded me of that. Uh, I used to watch the show. I loved MTV's Fear. I was into, <laughs> uh, like an abandoned yeah, like, it was asylum like, or something. Uh huh. Like that to me, I would never do that. I can't, like, I don't believe in ghosts or any of that, but I, I don't want to go to this abandoned building because I don't know what's Right. Like, yeah. I don't know who's squatting in there. I don't know. Like, the idea that I'm in there with this tiny bit of light and I could hear something that would, like, banging sound. Like, is that, like, a, a homeless person who's squatting in this building? And, like, what what is their reaction going to be if they see me? Like, Instead of, like, some MTV intern yeah. who's, like, hitting, yeah. like, a like a piece of <laughs> yeah. copper, yeah. like, up against a yeah. wall yeah. or yeah. something yeah. like that. Like, So I used to watch that show religiously. Just be, like, glued to it. Like, I wonder how much. I because I could not listen to that. I would have done it for free. <laughs> I, 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 I would have done it for free. Uh, I I loved that show, and this was in like a post 
uh, Blair Witch mm-hmm. um, like kind of frenzy and craze where mm-hmm. you know they'd strap everybody up with this camera so yeah. that they could see like every emotion and every reaction that they had. And I I was fascinated by that show. I watched the heck out of it as well. They would make you like they'd show you walking from where their safe house. They'd have to walk through the dark woods to whatever place. Oh, yeah, man. No, I'm not doing that. Oh, God. I can't do that. I I, don't know this place at all. I don't feel the darkness of it is what bothers me. But I I think the thing that always intrigues and interests me is that, so just for for all of our listeners out there, Jamal and Tony and I have all done uh, improv and and acting training uh, together at some point in the, the D.C. area for Washington Improv Theater. And I think one of the things that they do is they always concentrate on four specific emotions, happiness, sad, um, you know, fear. And what's the fourth? Anger. Anger. Thank you. Uh, and I, I always felt like with uh, like scared and being terrified, I always felt like that was the hardest one to kind of identify with. But when you're in those moments where you have things that have happened, like where you have that attachment, like you said, when you were in that basement as a kid and it traumatized you. Like pulling that out is is really interesting, and it's hard to kind of physically feel that kind of terror where you can manufacture anger, like you can get excited about something, you can feel sad and depressed about thinking about something sad. But I, I always felt like like something that was terrifying or scared uh, was very hard for me, at least, to kind of drudge up and and use that in scene work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had what I think was a ghost experience when I was living in Pittsburgh. And it it creeped the shit out of me, and it was uh it was it was very weird. And I, I guess to Tony, and I, I think maybe to Jamal's point, like I could probably myth bust it and explain it away. But like at the time when it happened, uh, I was in the basement of a of a house that I was living basement. in. Basement. It was a basement, and there was a <laughs> door that was in the back by where the laundry room was, and it was locked. And it was locked and it connected to like another series of like parts of the basement for this like sh- large shared house that was divided up into four apartments. And our landlord, who oddly enough, his name was Timothy McVeigh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not lying. Good here. start. I wrote I wrote rent checks to Timothy McVeigh for like a whole year. Uh, he said like specifically when we moved in, like I've got a lot of stuff down there. You know, please don't touch any of it. And the door that's in the back there is always locked. Please do not try to unlock it. See, that would creep me out. I know. And I was down there one I was down there one evening and I was doing my laundry and the door opened like I, I was alone by myself and I just heard the door creak and begin to open it. And as I'm explaining this right now, like mm. the hair on the back of my neck is like I'm getting mm. really creeped out. And the door like slowly opened and I could see like a slight light coming from behind it. And I like, and I've never been frozen in terror mm-hmm. before, like to the point where I can't move. But I've watched enough horror films, and I love horror movies, and I love being scared. Uh, and I, I like drudged up enough like uh, internal muster to just kind of sputter out and say hello. Mm. And the door slammed shut, and I bolted out of that basement up into like my kitchen where my roommates were, and was just like. We are doing this in Paris from now on. There is a buddy system. Whenever we are going to do laundry, I'm too freaked out. God, I hate it. So, uh, oh my god, that just brought me back to I'd have to. So the, the when I moved out of the house that I had that experience in, we moved into another house. I don't know what it is about basements that they make you walk down into the dark to get to the light that turns on it's the, the worst. lights in the basement. The worst. And it's like I'm doing laundry downstairs, and like 
I like can just like it gets cold all of a sudden, and I'm like, again, I don't believe in ghosts. Maybe because I haven't exp- had that experience, but I'm like, it just feels eerie down yeah. there around all this stuff that's just not moving. I don't know what maybe has crawled in here. Like, ah, I know it's it's weird. It's uh, it's hard because I don't think until you've had that experience, it's it's something that you can like identify with. But like, you know, the the thing about being in the darkness, like th- I'm not diminishing that in any way. Like that's terrifying. That's really creepy. Tonight we have also watched something that is very creepy and very unsettling. So uh, if you are not familiar with uh, the Junji Ito collection, uh, and if you're looking for this, you can actually, and I I mentioned that this is based on a manga that has been adapted to an anime. You can find a lot of the manga itself, either by actually going out and buying the collections and supporting Junji Ito and what he'd had. But if you kind of want to dip your toe to get an experience, a lot of these are on Imager, and you can kind of search and find that out. Uh, as well as also some of the episodes that they've adapted are available on YouTube, or you can actually find the entire streaming Junji Ito collection on Verve online, which is VRV, the streaming service that they have that's there. So if you are unfamiliar with the Junji Ito collection, it is a horror anime anthology series that is adapted from the works of manga artist Junji Ito. Animated by Studio Dean, uh, the anime adapts stories from several of Ito's collections. The series premiered on January 5th of 2018 this year and ran for 12 episodes, accompanied by the release of two OVAs. The series was co-produced by Crunchyroll and began broadcasting on that service worldwide outside of Asia in eight languages on the same day. And every single episode that we have of those 12 is divided into two separate stories. So 12 episodes, really 24 different stories adapted from Ito's collection that they have. And then the two OVAs that they have actually pull in some characters uh, that you may have seen in some of the other manga to kind of complete and kind of flesh out. Uh, flesh out was probably a weird word to use for a horror anthology series. Yikes. But it, it, it does a good job of kind of pulling a lot of different elements that they have from this together to kind of give you a, a complex, weird story that's definitely worth watching. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so for tonight's episode, we have watched... Uh, it is episode 110. So episode 110 is divided into two, again, two separate stories. One is called Greased, which was originally called Glyceride, and then The Bridge. And so I believe we're going to get a little bit more about the the breakdown that we have for the plot and the synopsis from Jamal about Grease or Glyceride. Yeah, I'll talk about Greased. Uh, so Yuli and her family live above the barbecue restaurant her father owns. Uh, the shop and the restaurant are covered in oil and grease, and the air is constantly heavy with grease due to a lack of ventilation. Yuli becomes sensitive to what she calls the saturation level of grease in the air, which currently stands at 50%. Kind of very weird. It's a great mechanic that we'll get into when we get to yeah. a little bit. And Tony, you're going to help us out in terms of understanding sort of the setting for the bridge. Yeah, so in the bridge, Kanako receives a message to visit her grandmother, Asode, who lives alone in the countryside. Asode seems to be afraid of something, but Kanako doesn't know what. While Kanako is crossing the bridge that leads to the house, she meets an old man. She tries to ask uh, to ask if he is a friend of her grandmother, but when she turns around and sees that he is a rotting skeletal ghost. <laughs> and so we're not giving you too much in terms of what is actually included in this story. It's really just more the setup because mm-hmm. we're going to we're going to talk a little bit about them. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the elements that kind of make these stories so creepy 
uh, when we get to our, our plot. But we just kind of wanted to set the stage and give you guys a little bit of taste. Uh, I don't know about you, but I sometimes kind of have a hard time getting excited about Halloween. And so the more I kind of watch Halloween and horror stuff throughout the early parts of October, the more I get into it. So this kind of helped me get pumped for the month of October. But uh, speaking of getting pumped, we can't start talking about this without jumping into the actual theme song. And so, Ooh. yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, this is a real doozy. So to kind of kick this off, uh, we're going we're gonna to start with Tony. Tony, what were some of your impressions and your takeaways that you had from watching the theme song for the Junji Ito collection? I have never in my life before heard Outlaw Country as performed by Japanese musicians. <laughs> Which is exactly what this sounds like. At first, I thought there wasn't going to be uh, vocals, but when they came in, just perfect. Uh, the weird thing to me was how the show itself, which we'll get into obviously later, uh, looks it looks older in the animation style. Like It looks like something that it could have been pulled from like the late 90s uh, as far yeah. as the... Uh, relatively inexpensively produced animation uh with you know very simple drawings that aren't even necessarily that super crisp like high definition type look to them but then you have that juxtaposed to the theme theme song that feels like uh it could be you know the opening of the next James Bond movie as far as production value like it's it's really taken to the nth degree and there's all kinds of weird shapes and characters flying in and out and their faces changing and, and that sort James of thing. What James Bond movies are you watching? <laughs> do uh, James Bond openings are nuts. Have you ever Yeah, I know they're nuts. They're yeah, characters. like but they, and they they do all sorts of things where they'll show characters and then change them to liquid metal and then it's gun smoke and the like it felt very much like that mixed with um kind of just a collage element where they like to change out the faces for either other characters or other demonic faces. I don't know. It's it, it was it felt more modern than the actual show itself, despite the idea that these were produced all at the same time. Uh, I, I was actually, you just read the the background of it and I was surprised to learn this is from 2018 that these weren't, you yeah. know, old, old uh, cartoons that were collected together and maybe somebody did a modern theme song to go with them. Like the idea that that was all produced in some line is interesting to me. Right. No, I think uh, I've, I would have never, I would have never thought to put this together and say outlaw country. It's kind of what the intro was. Yeah, it was. Am I am I wrong? <laughs> no, I mean i i kind of i, I kind of had a, a specific feeling about it. Uh, but I want to I want to turn it over to Jamal. What were what were your thoughts and feelings on this theme song? Um, for a show, I've never heard a theme song, and then the visuals that go with it not match as much as this theme song, <laughs> and the visuals <laughs> don't go together at all. Um, there's, you know, I mean, you got pictures of gory blood and like bloody hands uh, being shot all across the screen with cadence and and cut it cut out and stuff and it's like you're listening to a rock song it doesn't prepare you for like oh you're entering a horror film genre whereas right. i know that rock music has a stable in the horror but this doesn't feel like i'm entering like oh we're about to watch a creepy anime cartoon right now it feels more like uh, like uh, maybe a, a long arc of like uh, Bleach or something. Like you're 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 getting the rock music and you're like, oh man, this maybe this is the episode where they actually move forward with the battle. But it's <laughs> it's like if you're just seeing the visuals, it's almost like they could have just done like a a nice somber like like a funeral dirge. Yeah, yeah, and have the visuals and that sets the tone way better than this rock music anthem and the visuals. There. Yeah. Very 
very specific. I mean, at one point there's a out a silhouette of a naked woman's body that just pulls up from the bottom, yeah, and then freezes mid <laughs> mid frame and stays there, and then is dripped with blood, yeah. And then we go into another another. I was like, okay, this this is apparently <laughs> setting the tone for this anime that is super creepy. I mean, based on the episode that we watched, like this, I would not assume this would be something right. No, and I, I, I'm I'm going to agree with the both of you. You know, I think that there's a lot of elements of horror that they visually try to show. Again, though, the the actual music and the tone that it kind of sets and the the lyrics. I mean, I guess maybe Outlaw Country. I kind of had a rock vibe uh, that went with it as well, Tony. And so I, I think that it was it was very interesting. But then they show you a lot of like nails, like stuck into like dolls or or just like you know, this like weird, creepy kid, like kind of holding nails, a bunch of Polaroids with like moving, like close up pictures that you have of body parts mm-hmm. that are kind of, and, and it's, it's always fast jump cuts and it feels very frantic in nature. Uh, and then kind of, I think to what you were talking about, Tony, there's a lot of elements of this where it's like a static image and then it sort of looks like a serial killer had like Crawled over top of the image or the graphic or what they have that's there. Yeah. Uh, like allusions to kind of like the cycle of life with like a candle that has like that hasn't been lit and then it kind of like has burnt all the way down and then it's reborn and it's like a red candle, like looks like a blood mm-hmm. candle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's it's interesting. And I think the visuals do a good job of kind of setting it up. And I, I'll say that the the frantic nature that you have of some of the things that are kind of transposed over top of character images that are there are unique to the actual uh, theme song itself. It seems like dedicated animation. But then some of the character elements that you have in here, I know for a fact are reused from actual episodes. You know, Mm -hmm. so it may have been like a still of like a kid or we get a girl that kind of looks like a slug at one point that kind of shows up. I know that those are elements that they've used in uh, other or other parts or other uh, animes that are mm-hmm. that are in the Ito collection, and so it's it's interesting to kind of see how they're kind of pulling those in. It's hard because again, we have like twenty four different stories that were adapted, and so in some sense, they're trying to give you that little bit of a visual tidbit where they're like, "Hey, that story that you like, we're gonna get there. We're gonna talk about it eventually." Yeah, you know, but it, it never really kind of focuses or hones in on exactly what's really creepy about and the work that he does Mm -hmm. like what's actually really unsettling about the about some of these things that have been finally adapted and so for me it was kind of a it was a little bit of a swing and a miss in terms of like getting me i was more kind of pumped up but i think the big miss for me is that if you're watching some of these on youtube the theme song is edited out but if you watch these on verve the theme song is edited in in like the two minute mark of most of the episodes and so you're kind of building into a story and then they're like, here's some like, here's some rock music. And then they jump right back into it very quickly. And so it sort of broke the flow yeah. in terms of some of the storytelling that I had. So it's kind of interesting. Hmm. They're like, all right, this arc, we're going to do the intro in the very beginning. And another arc is like, hey, we're going to give you a little taste of the episode, find yeah. a cliffhanger, and do the intro. Yeah, and I, I think for the for the greased episode that we had, it like it gets to a point where it does a good job of like giving you that that 
saturation level of 50%, and then it jumps right into it. And you're like, oh, I just saw something really interesting. Why would you go yeah. to yeah, it's this not, outlaw country? It's, they, 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 I don't think they figured it out quite to the law and order level of, of, uh, of cold open uh, for, for a show. That show, the, the completely off topic, but when I was in college, like they would play the marathons of those, of those episodes, and they were so great about taking the ending of one episode uh, and uh, like the credits rolling for it and putting that immediately over like on the screen at the same time as the cold right. open of the next episode. So by the time the credits were done for the episode that you're watching, you're already fucking hooked on the next one and the theme yeah. starts yeah. <laughs> you're like, God damn it. Uh, but this would, uh, that, that's just, that's weird to me that especially in a show where you split it into two separate stories that you would, you know, splice, uh, splice up one of the stories just for a theme song that uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine any of these stories where that doesn't take you extremely out of it with that theme song especially for as long as that thing was it was a good minute and a half two minutes yeah 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 Yeah. they weren't pulling punches with this it was unnecessarily long ah but yeah theme song any final thoughts that we have about the theme song um more breasts you want more breasts yeah okay (laughs) more breasts more (laughs) breasts Hold on. What? Is that the element that you find scary are the boobs that are in this theme song? Terrifying. Ter- <laughs> Did you see the measurements? That's terrifying. What was the, uh, no, uh, no. I'm thinking nothing but back pain. That's <laughs> when I when I was oh seeing when God. I was looking I was like that's nothing but back pain. Oh that's, my god. That's oh. a lot of viewers are seeing this and they're like ouch, my back hurts. Did you think your back was going to hurt? Yes. Well, I'm carrying around a little bit of breast breast meat. <laughs> I've got a little breast meat. I know. I was wondering at some point when you were actually going to put that chicken down that well, you've been holding. I'm, I'm hungry, so <laughs> you know, I'm not I mean, you could take it upstairs and you could put it okay. like you well, could cook. You it. didn't tell me that, so that's why. I no, I mean, stupid. you've just been you've just been so, holding yeah, like yeah. a couple of chicken cutlets right at breast right level. at breast level. Yeah. I said breast on breast. You've got breast on breast level. Breast on breast. That, that's weird. Yay. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I want to get into our animation style. I think we've kind of talked a little bit about this, and I think it's kind of interesting to dissect it. So, Tony, I want to turn it over to you and say, what were your thoughts and your feelings? Since I believe you kind of gave a setup, kind of feeling that this may have had a, a little bit of an older anime style to begin with. Yeah. Correct? Uh, this felt like it could have sat right along, you know, a Cowboy Bebop or, or something like that as far as animation style goes. Uh, it didn't feel particularly updated and i think that may be something that we as americans are more sensitive to just because our animation has been driven forward so rapidly uh pushed towards the computer animation side i mean disney doesn't even produce uh, a feature length you know animation now that's not computer generated at this point uh even though we we grew up on that so it's always kind of pushing to what's the next what's the next bigger advancement you know or finding a new way of adapting the same style so something like a south park or a or a uh, um uh a, 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 a fuck what's the one that h john benjamin does i'm blank blanking on the name bob's burgers no not that one the uh archer, archer. yeah so going down the, the path of like an archer uh for for still animation this feels like it just feels very old it, it feels very simple and you know not to say that that's bad i think there there's a certain amount of nostalgia and it definitely fits within kind of the anime manga territory uh just based on the on the look alone uh but it does it does feel older to me right oh interesting 
Jamal, what were your impressions? Because I know you've watched a lot of anime and you've been on the show and we've chatted about anime before. And so what were your impressions sort of uh, watching this about the style? Uh, so one, I like style of anime. I don't know what it is about Japanese that I just... Yeah, I just always love it. I, I still like it. To me, I'd say it felt like the anime style of Samurai Shampoo. Okay. Um, and I was like, kind of, kind of dirty around the edges, kind of rough around the edges, and I was like, every single. It wasn't sharp. It wasn't as sharp, but I was like, this isn't taking away. It's still, it. I like it when it's gritty. It's yeah. Gritty. Like I like, I like when it looks like they focus more on dialogue and thing that's gonna scare you or stuff that isn't based. <laughs> like yeah. I, I like that. So the anime style to me, it does feel like old. Tony explained about like the investments and us, but I think to me it, it just felt like at home, like that matched as gritty as it was. That matched for what the genre is to me. Like if it was super crisp, I probably would have been like, hmm, super crisp for a horror film. Like that's it's almost too neat, too clean. If that so, like horror film is is gonna Right. No, I agree. I you know I think it's I think it's really interesting, and I think it's maybe uh, to Tony's point, um, you know, uh, sort of seeing some of these things. Like we have we have a manga that was used that we have that's uh, available as sort of the storyboard template for what a lot of this can look like, and and uh, and we we've talked about and we had kind of circulated like the actual manga for all of us to to be able to take a look at and. I know that there are very specific elements, especially in Greased, uh, one particular scene that's in Greased that like, it is almost shot for shot what you saw that's in there. And then they're just like small elements that are actually animated within that scene. And so, you know, I, I think some of the terror that they have, again, Jamal, to your point, like they didn't really need to exaggerate it. And they also had this great template of the manga in terms of understanding exactly shot for shot what they maybe wanted to emphasize or hone in on. And so, and those were the things that were terrifying. And, and the grit, I think, is in part, you know, Ito's, Ito's artwork that he's done, you know, kind of really giving you a good visual representation of, of how some of those original mangas would have looked, you know, kind of that hand-drawn kind of like grittiness that he would have had. Uh, I, I kind of almost had a feeling like this kind of felt like a little bit more of a moving comic you know, in some cases, mm -hmm. like there were definite elements that they had where they would specifically uh, animate something. But then we had a lot of like kind of like long still shots where it would kind of hover on something. And then in like true anime sense, you wouldn't actually see a character's uh, lips move or they wouldn't have actually done the dubbing for their voice to kind of match. But it would have hovered on something else, especially in the bridge when she meets the ghost for the first time. Yeah. And she's asking him like, you know, do you know my grandmother? Yeah. And you just see this face and the face very kind of slowly pans and moves up and you can see that like he doesn't have a lower jaw or like most of the skin around his mouth has been removed, you know? And so I like the idea that they kind of kept some of those elements to again, focus on those things that were unsettling, mm -hmm. you know, for the, for the viewer and kind of give you a little bit of that slow reveal. I think that that was helpful. I, I watched, um, Ghost in the Shell, some some earlier episodes of Ghost in the Shell. I thought you were gonna say the movie, and I was gonna no. say no, abandon no. right away, buddy. No, S the uh, stop. There's like three different movies on Netflix of Ghost in the Shell, and I watched a couple of them at the gym, and I was like, it, 
this anime kind of like episodes of oh yeah that so yeah yeah like the early stuff with like the laughing man um no not laughing man. who's the guy who's got the He's got his eyes that Bato. are like, yeah, Bato. So like some of the early drawings of Bato, especially when she had to fight him, when he was like being controlled, he was hacked into. Yeah, yeah. Like it felt a little bit like, oh, this is like this looks has the same look, especially in hmm. Greece. This has the look of of her fighting against Bato. Okay. Oh, interesting. Especially because that that is so there's so much kinetic energy in a lot of those battles, and this is so intentionally slow. Mm-hmm. You know that it's. I, I think it's an interesting parallel. Cool. Tony, any final thoughts about the animation? Uh, no, I mean, I, I just, I, I think it fits kind of what Jamal was saying about the, the style fits for, for horror. Uh, horror in general definitely always has that gritty feel to it. If it is too sharp and too clean, it makes it harder to, I think, kind of hide elements and really kind of build suspense and that sort of thing. So I think it, it definitely does add into the feel of, of horror i also for whatever reason every time i i think about horror i always think of older things like it's especially if you're talking ghosts that's somebody that since has passed or you know so that the putting some sort of age on it some sort of patina type look to it i think adds to that uh to that impression uh so i, I think it works to, to help it huh, interesting we are going to get into some of our characters right now now we have a very small cast uh, for both of these, which I think is actually very helpful yeah. in order to kind of focus and really zoom in on the things that you care about and sort of uh, the the internalization of some of these emotions that they're going through in these these particular stories. And so we have in Greece, uh, we have uh, Yui, as we've mentioned. She has a brother named Goro, and then we have the father who owns and runs the barbecue restaurant that we have. And that's really... You know, there there's some tertiary characters that we have that are kind of thrown in for for mix uh, and to make it feel like it's a fully realized area uh, and world that they're living in. But but these are the ones that we're going to really concentrate on. And then for the bridge, uh, we actually have so we have Kanako who's there. We have her grandmother Osode, uh, and then we have uh, we have King Goro, which we kind of talk a little bit about, uh, and he's sort of the first ghost that we meet, who is her, who is uh, Kanako's uncle. Uh, during this time that we're we're given some exposure to, as well as also some other characters, sort of about what we learn that's there. But I, I wanted to kind of uh, turn this over and, and see, was there anybody that you particularly enjoyed from either one of these that you identified with that you were like, oh, no, that's definitely like an unsettling situation that I would not have wanted to be in? Tony? Uh, I, I don't know that I could directly identify with, with anybody in here other than maybe the, you know, the ridiculously tall uh, <laughs> um, uh, fiance from uh, from the second one that <laughs> from the bridge, yeah, because like the, the, they make a whole joke. Of, so they part of the story there is that they're these people when they when they die they float them down the river and so they have to put together these rafts. And he was apparently so tall that they had to stitch two rafts together. And I I worry about that too. Like the the day that I die, my casket's gonna be extra sized in order to accommodate me. So there was some some tie together for that. But yeah, he doesn't. I don't. I'm not even sure if he got any lines in that one uh, as a character. It was it was just kind of told from a distance. So uh, I mean, other than just like winking and looking directly at you, and then being like Osode-chan. Yeah, no, I I do that to to anyone that I love. If they walk into a room when I'm sleeping, I just open my eyes full wide and stare directly at them through their soul. <laughs> oh man this is why me and tony couldn't be roommates <laughs> this is the reason yeah, why this is the reason 
This is 100 percent the reason. This was the deal breaker. The only reason. Weird. The one. I would the have only. never. I would have never guessed that. <laughs> A lot of people don't guess it. Yeah. No. It's weird. Jamal, uh, for you, any any characters that you uh, identified with that you liked that you hated? I identified with Goro, the brother from Greece, when he was having his uh, acne breakout from being covered in oil and drinking oh. oil, and then his uh, his rainfall waterfall attack that he used. <laughs> I was just like, you know what? That's something I would do. Like, if are I, you serious? If, if I was gonna be a sadistic guy, honestly, that's why you and I can't be roommates. <laughs> that's the do, fucking reason. I would do the gross thing too, and oh. I would be like, yeah, oh, you don't like my my acne? We'll have all these. Acne pops. Oh, that scene. Oh. That scene. Oh. That fucked with me. It was very gross. Was, Have uh, you ever seen acne come out like that? Where it's like just a dripping mess? Uh, of... No. That's more than acne. That's something else that's going on. I, I, to set the stage, and I guess now is the appropriate time since you brought this up. At some point, we have this character, Goro, who, uh, when he realizes that his sister, Yui, is disgusted by his his pimple popping and just the 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 oily just unsettling nature of his skin with regards to the the ventilation from the the barbecue house that their dad runs uh he he threatens Yui by essentially holding her down and like and squishing together his entire face and all of the pimples that are on there mm-hmm. and it just looks like if somebody gathered together like 30 tubes of toothpaste of like white tooth like white crest over your face and then squeezed it like that and I, I i don't know that i'm properly describing how disgusting this is but just that long slow kind of like lingering drop of just discharge from your face and oil just kind of coming down at you is disgusting and like 200 of those all at once because he's oh, uh, God. yeah oh Here's the thing in in horror films and stuff, I root for the bad guy. In normal films, what I the don't. Fuck? I do. I do. In horror films, I root for the bad guy. How many times has the bad guy really won in a horror film? At the end of the day, that's why <laughs> he's the underdog. He's the underdog. That who? Well, he, she, whoever the thing is that's causing all the trouble, they're the underdog. I'm rooting for the underdog. Okay. In a normal film, like a thriller or like a comedy or something, like I never root for the bad guy. I'm not that kind of person, but in a horror film, yeah, I'm on board with the guy who's squishing his face and acne juices dripping down. Oh, oh yeah. The creepier, the better. The scene where the father like wakes her up and she's chugging oil. I'm like, this guy's creepy, too. Oh, my God. I, I, I'll bring this out. I, you know, the, the weird thing that they have about this is the, they, they have this family that is like drinking vegetable oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that they're, and, and, and I think we're at the point now where we're slowly just kind of bleeding <laughs> into the, the plot yeah, we, of everything that we have. So we, we have this is there and I, it, it's, it's very challenging. Um, I, I wanted to ask you guys, have you ever been to, and it's not vegetable oil, but have you ever been to an olive oil tasting? I have not. No, I can't say wait that a I second. have. No, wait, I have in Saratoga when we bought olive oil, I mean, it wasn't like an official tasting, but you could go in the store and taste all the different infused olive oil. So right. I've done that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I've done that. I've been, I was at a, I was in Sacramento like a ton of years ago, and it was something where I, I was there with a, a buddy of mine uh, who lives out in L.A. We we're up there for a wedding, and it was something where we we're at this nice fancy restaurant, 
and they had it on there and it said like olive oil tasting and it was like a bunch of like different infused olive oils and i thought that it was going to come with bread for dipping it didn't and it didn't it Ew. was just like straight like you just kind of oh. sip no i can't do that the oil and like, it wasn't a lot like it wasn't it wasn't even like a shot glasses worth it was like a it was like a 1 ounce pour just to kind of like coat your mouth so you could feel like what it was infused with and stuff wasn't as gross as it sounds. And in fact, like I, I've heard like uh, there's even people who like are, are brewers, like people who are in uh, like the brewing industry who will make beer that like they'll swear by like the way to uh, to remedy not getting a hangover is to have like a small shot of olive oil before they have to go to like a beer tasting or something because it prevents a lot of the alcohol because it'll line the coating of your stomach and it prevents all the alcohol or at least some of the alcohol from absorbing in there. Whether or not that's actually scientifically accurate, listeners, don't take my advice on this. I have no idea. I'm you should test this. Advice. You need to test this out. I did it once and I think I still only had like one and a half beer and I was just like, oh. I'm, I'm fucking fine. Like, <laughs> yeah, I wonder why. You had one and a half beers. This is the worst beer festival uh, if you had one and a half just, beers. <laughs> you walk over to your wife and like, man, that olive oil is really doing its job. <laughs> no, actually, you know, I'll, I'll say this. I went to I went to a beer festival maybe two years ago that was in D.C. It's called Savor. And I did like a, I did a shot of olive oil before I went as just kind of a test. And I, I mean, I, I, I drank you know, for a couple hours, but I drank responsibly, you know, I didn't have to drive or anything like that. And, uh, you know, and I, I still felt the same kind of like sluggish late thirties feeling that I had, I, I get after like, you know, a night of like one or two beers. And I was like, well, I had a lot over a very long time, but I still kind of feel like shit. Still feel the same still, piece of crap. Still feel like the same piece of crap every morning. Also, I want to say, uh, for everyone listening, you're allowed to drink and drive. You just can't drink and drive. Wait, what? <laughs> You what? can drink and drive. You just can't drink and drive. What's drink and drive? Well, you said you drank a lot of stuff and you're feeling you're feeling fine. I was like, oh, you were like I was responsible, but I didn't drive. I was like, well, you're allowed to drink and drive. Oh, okay. Yeah, you just can't drink and drive. Yeah, don't drink and drive yeah, don't ever. Drink and drive. But if you have drink, <laughs> get on the roadways. God damn it. <laughs> do I'm in a official statement right now <laughs> PSA wise do not drink and drive do not drink and drive either all right fine this okay. podcast endorses neither of the two oh jesus <laughs> man man what happened to fun of that do you have where you're just like yo i'm gonna drink and drive tonight people are like are you drunk no i drank though i mean i guess that's a good distinction like you drank earlier in the day yeah i know it's much later and you're fine officer says have you had anything to drink tonight no i had something to drink tonight you're gonna get you're gonna get that officer with that past tense right yeah <laughs> what if he's just like sir have you drank and drive today Damn it, officer! I cannot tell a lie. Get out of the car. <laughs> yeah. How how often has this worked in, a, in an interaction with a police officer for you? Well, I'll tell you after my court case. <laughs> All right. Hoping to be cleared in this upcoming yes. trial yeah, that we got to going. Be cleared, on. and then I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> oh man! All right. So, uh, getting into the plot that we have about a lot of these for these two different stories, I, I kind of want to start this. Uh, you know, we had two very different stories. I'll say one that was a. Uh, one that was very interesting and creepy, and I kind of didn't see where it was going to go. I had no idea what the progression was going to be. And then we had one that I think was a little bit maybe more traditional 
uh, Japanese horror, at least for the, the media that I've consumed, uh, and I'm in, in reference to The Bridge. And so what I wanted to do kind of because this is Halloween and because we've talked a lot about horror films and sort of some of our influences and our beliefs about ghosts and the supernatural, I wanted to kind of start the conversation by saying, what do you guys find scary? I know we've obviously talked about the dark with you, Jamal, and sort of being in that, that, that moment, but like, what are the things that like, when you see it, like actually truly terrify you? Talking about from from what we saw, or just in just life, in, just like, in general, holistically. I'm like, the the uh, buried alive, like that that the, anything really can, ridiculous confined spaces, uh, anything like that. That just makes my skin crawl, like to the point where I'm 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 a you know borderline claustrophobic. Uh, I can't really be on an airplane past a certain amount of time just because I'm a big guy, and that that feels too cramped and restrictive to me. Like it's yeah, the idea of of being you know, buried in a coffin alive, uh, just, oh, that, that it makes my kind of what you were saying earlier, the hair stand on the back of your neck. Like it, that's, that gets me right here right now. Um, so that's it's hard because I think being buried alive in a coffin and be like, oh, thank God I don't get any cell reception down here and I get a little bit of fucking peace and quiet. <laughs> you're turning, finally, you're turning, finally, I don't have to answer any emails. You're turning into a middle-aged dad. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, some fucking quiet. <laughs> but actually, it wouldn't be quiet because if you're in a coffin uh, buried on the ground, your ears would be ringing. Why? Because of the sound of the silence. Oh, really? Yeah, your ears would be ringing. It'd be, almost be torture. How many times have you been buried alive? Well, <laughs> they keep trying. <laughs> I thought you were really going to be like, you know, we'll find out more after this court case. <laughs> I, got I, court I, case. I got that case cleared. <laughs> That case is clear. <laughs> just want to point that out there. Uh, As a matter of evidence, I yeah. can't give specific yeah. numbers right now. Yeah, I can't talk about <laughs> it. That was part of the settlement, but that case is cleared. <laughs> uh, uh, no, okay, so that that's that. Uh, so buried alive, Tony. Buried alive, and I, I would toss out um, the aliens creeps me out too. Like that that really? that perspective. Yeah, yeah. The mm. the the you know something that's not an intelligent. Well, I'm not even saying not an intelligent species, but something that would be. The creepy crawly, you know, what you were describing earlier with the the what you equated to a ghost thing in your basement, like yeah. my brain immediately jumps to that's like alien life coming through and then I get creeped out by it. Oh, so it's not man. the ghost angle, yeah. I put something else on it, but it's it yeah, that that gets me too. Yeah. Oh. I'd have to say so I have two things. Um one is the alien I didn't even think about it until you said that, but the movie signs, um, that's yeah. the last movie that's truly stuck with me like a last horror movie or scary movie that's actually stuck with me a lot of people may have seen that movie and thought it was not scary at all the part that scared me was um when you see the youtube like video of the creature crossing the street oh, and then yeah. at the end when they're like coming in through the house like actually seeing it i was like like if i actually saw that in real life that would probably freeze me yeah really? like that would i would be like what do i do with this Slender man looking thing. Oh man, you you get a bat, you swing away. Yeah, <laughs> swing away, Joker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the other thing is drowning. That wow. terrifies me. The uh, like, um, even when I hear stories of like like being on a submarine and all, that, I think about World War Two and like submarines that like went down and it's like they just they were just on the submarine and just went deeper and deeper into the abyss and like the crushing weight of the ocean and like the worst part about drowning is that you don't die right away 
Like you eventually have to breathe. So water now shoots into your lungs and your brain and you go brain dead and you are feeling that pain until you officially end. And like that's a very painful way to die. <laughs> and I I'm terrified of it. I'm terrified. I'm like, if I could do anything to make sure that I die any other way, I would I would make a deal with someone to have that happen. But drowning terrifies me. Do you think that you are gonna be drowned? I don't I don't I don't feel that way and we'll see after this court case, but <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but drowning is like even when I go on cruises Capital like, punishment's <laughs> gotten real weird. Yeah. Here. Imagine if that was a punishment, a capital punishment, like Jesus. drowning, public drowning. Fuck Ooh, that. Boy. Um, uh, like when you hear stories of like, you know, the old, like the, the Salem witch trials and they like just throw them in a lake with a, uh, cinder block. I'm like, that's yeah. insane to me. Like, you know how painful of a death that is for nonsense, like for nonsense. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's probably the thing that truly scares me. And if I see a horror film where like, if I ever saw a horror film and like, maybe this is something who's just going around drowning people, that would terrify me. Wow. Like this person's just waiting to catch people when they're not ready and like he's just drowning them that would be terrifying uh for me it's the idea of uh creepy children uh creepy children terrify the shit out of me mm. uh seeing pet cemetery uh you know where the the kid comes back from the dead mm -hmm. it's the idea of something that is like so innocent and young and pure that also has murderous intent mm -hmm creeps me the fuck out you know mm. i was talking with somebody the other night uh the movie dark city with rufus sewell that came out like late 90s uh there's like a kid that they have that's in there who kind of had like a bald head and he was just like menacing little tiny kid that was dragging a knife against a brick wall like walking towards somebody getting ready Boy. to kill them and i was like holy Fuck, like, it just, it, it blew my mind. That, and, like, because I, like, growing up in the 80s, I had a lot of stuffed animals as a kid, you know? And so when I saw Child's Play mm. with the doll Chucky, that fucked me for, like, two, three mm -hmm. years. I was, I wanted to get rid of everything I had. And, like, mm -hmm. I didn't have anything that looked like a good guy <laughs> at that time. But I was, like, my Bart Simpson and my, like, Slimer from the real Ghostbusters <laughs> stuffed animal, I was, like, get them out of here. They are my Roger Rabbit, I was like, I will twist his neck off. He is dead to me. <laughs> like, absolutely fucking not. Like, that, that stuff, something small and murderous creeps me out every time. I, I'll say the second thing that kind of creeps me out, and I think maybe this plays into some of Tony as well as also your fear, Jamal, not necessarily about the alien, but just about something that, like, looks dirty and gross. Like, what do you mean? Like when you were saying about sort of like aliens and like extraterrestrial life, like maybe it's not intelligent, but maybe it's just kind of like disgusting and slimy. Oh, okay. Like the the more kind of like gross that something looks. Mm -hmm. So that kind of really messed with me when I ended up watching the 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 Grease episode, or even when I read the original uh, Glyceride uh, manga. That whole moment of like the of Goro pushing together all mm. of those pimples on his face, like I was like that. I like I dry kind of heaved mm. a little bit like oh like this is it's filthy it's disgusting mm -hmm. it's I don't know like having that on my body mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not a germaphobe mm -hmm. uh, I'm not a germaphobe at all but there are definitely moments where like 
I will take out the trash and then I will immediately walk in and like scrub down like I'm going into surgery. Oh, and wow. I'm like, all I, all I did was like touch a trash bag and a trash can. Wow. And like, and it's my, it's my trash. Yeah. But then I'm just like, no, I need to like, you know, before I, I touch anything else or before I do anything, like I am washing these hands. Like this is yeah. happening. And I, I, I get creeped out about that stuff. Mm. Wow. So you mentioned the kids, uh, scary kids in horror films do nothing for me. Really? Nothing. That the omen. None. None of these scary little kids do anything for me because I know, like you're saying, the in- innocence of them. But if they have murderous intent, I now in my mind am like having my bankai release, and I'm like, I can now <laughs> destroy this kid because you have murderous intent. So I now I can just crush you with like <laughs> the the power <laughs> of a full grown man because otherwise you're going to try and kill me. I feel I fear nothing from any of these movies of like creepy kids cuz I'm like if I came across some creepy kid in my house, you're done for. <laughs> like you you're done. You are you're going to be a tomato splattered. <laughs> like I'm going to be finishing you. They've got murderous intent. Don't look at me like I'm a child beater. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to kill me. Like I don't, I don't play that game. Like they don't scare me. I'm like, ah. I don't, I don't get it. Like I also don't get people being scared of clowns. I'm not scared of clowns. But maybe it's the paint. I, I don't know. People have different, uh, you know, uh, experiences with clowns. I never had a like a scary, traumatizing experience. Clowns do nothing for me. The movie it does yeah. nothing for me, scary wise. Um, but like kids, they they just they they don't do anything for me. They they don't scare me. They don't. That's interesting. So to to kind of pivot and take some of the things that we've talked about that are scary to us, out of any of the two that we saw for the Genji Ito collection, what what was? I know we've talked about a little bit about Goro and his his face and stuff like that, and sort of the pimple popping stuff. But like, what else did you guys identify with that was actually really either kind of horrifying or unsettling? that we saw from the cartoons that we watched today? Uh, for me, I would say the, 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 uh, in the, in the bridge, uh, actually really actually in both of them. The, and I think this is just cause Japanese culture, everything is, you know, they, they're used to smaller spaces and like part of the reason I, I personally am not sure I could ever really travel to Japan is because they, they are totally fine with small enclosed spaces and I am 100% not. So that would freak me the fuck out. Um, but the the spaces that they were in, I mean, the the young girl's room, uh, you know, she's basically big enough to fit a futon and nothing else. And uh, and the grandmother's uh, place seemed very very small and compact and a lot of tiny rooms, these little pocket rooms. I don't know that 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 part got to me more than anything else of of you know when the uh, ghost family is is encroaching on the house and the bridge. Um, that would be the only thing is just the fact that it is such a small building and there's there's no space and there's no place to go there's no escape uh that got to me more so than anything in the first one i actually i got what was going on in greece before it was done oh uh, really yeah well so from the the story perspective the, the the stupid thing for me was when they cut to the two guys outside the house talking about the delicious meat at the at this place because they have no con- context for anybody outside the world of these three people other than like the bullies beating up the the brother, um, and so it just felt so step away removed from it. It it, it was like oh well they're telegraphing where the rest of the story goes. Um, right. I was like they they're they're eat, you know the the brother's dead and and you know maybe the sister's next and or 
I didn't necessarily see the very end uh, to where that was going to go, but for the most part, I got it. And I was kind of like, okay, I'll just wait this one out till it's done. Move on to the you next mean, one. You, you want to explain what kind of the, the very ending of this greased episode was sort of the, I, I don't want to say it was a twist because I mean, it, it's, it's getting set up and we've talked about the fact that Goro is sort of popping pimples on top of Yui, his sister. Yeah. The dad, the dad hits Goro with a shovel uh, to get him off and effectively kills Goro. Yeah, they don't they don't explicitly say that, but that's what's implied enough. Right. And actually, so the the weird thing about that one to me, I mean, the whole story's weird, but the but the the weird thing to me was when she spots the the brother when he's younger, uh, drinking the oil, uh, yeah. as as if it's like a you know she says as, as if it's refreshing or or something like that. And um, so he, and and he the the brother says, "Don't tell dad. If you do, I'll you know kick your ass basically." Uh, or you'll know what I'll do to you and just leaves it ominously like that. And so he continues throughout this whole thing and eventually has, of course, the freak out where the father comes in, hits him over the head. And then they talk about the meat. And that makes me wonder, like, was this the dad's plan all along? Was he raising children for eventual slaughter and, and sale as, as food? Or what's the story there? And it doesn't. And it seems like that was always his intent. Yeah. I mean, it brings up the question, where was the wife? <gasps> Where was the what? Where was the wife? Uh, yeah, they they said yeah. She just says when when she was gone. I necessarily I didn't necessarily put that together. Yeah, she could have just. She but I was just filed for divorce. She, I she probably could have just. She could have just. She could have just. Yeah, she, she probably did. So uh, so yeah, that was and so in the end, um, he she she realizes what happened to her brother, and so she starts to change her sleeping pattern so that she's always awake when her father might try and come in and and uh, force feed her more oil and eventually uh he realizes that he that that's never going to be an option and he's got people coming into the restaurant asking if they can get more of the special meat uh and so he goes and and chops off his own leg uh below the knee and starts chopping it up into into meat and he's laughing maniacally while he's doing it and she spots him and it's uh his his blood's been replaced with just oil spilling out of his body just golden brown oil dripping from his leg uh so yeah that one that one didn't didn't stick as as much for me yeah i i kind of for me the thought was either the father is going to kill yui or yui is going to kill the father mm-hmm. but just that moment that was just so unsettling about just simply seeing yui like kind of like peering and watching her dad yeah. like hack apart yeah. you know his leg with like a cleaver and just laughing yeah. and this is the moment where they've they've talked about this saturation level that they have and then just cuts to her eye and it's like saturation level is now at a hundred percent. And I was like, Oh God damn it. Like it, it that to me was creepy. Yeah. Like, and, and, and just that slow build that you have of understanding that it's at 50% and then just every step along yeah. the way, it was just more and more unsettling. Like you knew that it was going to get uncomfortable, but you never knew how uncomfortable it was going to get. Yeah. They set that up as a good device to, I you know, slowly it. dial up and add add some tension that otherwise wouldn't be there inherently. Yeah. I love the part where she's like, oh, I got to stay awake now and staring at the door. And then he opens the door and sees she's awake and then shuts it yeah. right away. And I'm like, oh, that's so creepy. So uncomfortable. That's so creepy. Your own father is about to try and force feed you oil and he sees you're awake. He's like, oh, 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 oh. oh sorry. shuts the door yeah. like, wow. Well, I love, uh, you know, it, I don't love the fact, but I, I, I love how creepy the idea is of the dad 
force like drinking you like yui while she's asleep but at the same time he's he's dialed he's monologuing mm-hmm. to her and he's like drink it yui drink <laughs> it and i'm like how would you not wake up if somebody's over you with a bottle of vegetable oil trying to force chug you it to, down your throat. oh god that yeah. was so unsettling just the entire time i for me one of the biggest Go ahead, Tony. No, no, I was going to say, you, you mentioned the word you said, unsettling. And and I think in horror, there's there's like three different ways that something can get to you. It can be unsettling, it can be startling, or it can be scary. And the and I think, you know, especially when I was younger, a lot of the films, the screams, and I know what you did last summer and stuff like that, it wasn't so much about being scary so much as, as it was about being, uh, um, you know, startling. Just startle. Right. Something pops up, something, and the, the South Park made fun of that, too, with the... With the <laughs> It was so startling. Oh, were you startled? I was so startled. Oh, uh, it was a spooky ghost. Yeah, and uh, it was it was <laughs> the one with the giant uh, um, uh, hamsters or, or uh, um, guinea pigs that were taking over the city that they had dressed in. And anyway, stupid, stupid, <laughs> stupid. Uh, but uh, but there's that, and then I feel like we've drifted into a period where it was the saws and stuff like that, where it was just unsettling and not necessarily scary. Like I I appreciate stuff that's legitimately scary, but kind of what you were going down the path of earlier of not the same thing scares everyone that right. it's tough to make something that is universally scary to people. So it, it versus everybody can be relatively easily startled or potentially relatively easily grossed out or unsettled. Yeah. Uh, so it, I find it your word choice interesting that you said that I found that unsettling, not necessarily scary. Yeah. I think a lot of it for me was unsettling and startling at the same time that it was sort of a combination of both of those things. Mm-hmm. The thing that I kind of found that was very weird about this episode just in general was sort of like we get Yui at the very beginning and she's she's longing for a different life mm-hmm. she wants something else she's staring at Mount Fuji for like multiple hours a day wishing that like she could be anywhere else in the world and talking about these volcanoes you know and, and everything that they have that's a part of this mountain and then these mountains become the volcanoes that are on her brother's face and then you know, it just sort of ruins like the, I guess the childlike wonder and desire to go somewhere else mm-hmm. by like taking something that is like absolutely disgusting or something that is beautiful, such as Mount Fuji, and then putting these like mountains and craters on her brother's face. Yeah, it's sort of like it took that innocence, that like desire for her to have a better life, like away from her, and replaced it with something that was just absolutely again something that terrifies me is just that filth like that just disgusting yeah. filthy nature i like the fact that it was relentlessly unsettling i yeah. like that in uh like the horror genre like if i'm like oh, there's like feels like there's no escape from any of this like yeah. I, I like that when i'm I'm watching other people suffer through <laughs> <laughs> like i like it when i'm watching it on a horror i hate it in real life but i like it uh in a horror genre but i mean for like a nine a nine minute adaptation for this anthology like it's unrelenting like there's never a moment where they give you a reprieve to kind of catch your breath it's like this is just going to get uncomfortable buckle up and as a germaphobe and a a neat freak i hated all the oil oh yeah that was when the brother was like go get me another go get another futon this one's disgusting Uh. i was like oh how could you sit on a wet couch like that yeah disgusting all right any any thoughts that we have or anything that you found to be really unsettling about the bridge? Because I think one of the biggest things that I took away from it 
uh, was just sort of the the funeral process mm. that this village had as a concept. I don't think I think the execution of it, and I, I think I think it could be kind of beautiful, like it could be kind of interesting. But again, there's like the germaphobe part of me that's like they probably like bathed or washed stuff in that river, but they were also just like sending dead people down it as yeah. well. Yeah, I that that one that just felt stupid to me. Like. <laughs> when, they, when they're like the first one you know floated down hit the side of the bridge tipped over and the and the body fell into the water and and i was like okay so the next time you fix it so that shit doesn't happen again <laughs> like that's yeah I, it does it doesn't take lead, losing like I, legit they have 25 or so people standing on that bridge that that have this has apparently all happened to that they're they've hit the side of the bridge and tipped over and then they haven't been able to pass on to the next life regardless of whether that happened like passing on to the next life whether whether people would know that it's like a viking funeral where where they send it out in the boat and the boat sinks like 30 feet out before you can ever fire the the arrows into it like you you fucked up you're gonna fix that next time so that you don't run into the same <laughs> shit it's not a tradition immediately it's a tradition after you've done it for a while so if he's the first one that it happens to all right fix it for the second one now make that the fucking tradition yeah that's the thing that bothers me about this is that casual use that you hear all the time like well it's tradition i'm like uh, tradition is just something someone did once and then someone else decided to do again so they come up with the solution of like let's strap them down and they're like no this is tradition strapping them down can be tradition yeah <laughs> you can literally just do that like the people become crippled by well this is how they did it way back when so we got to do it like that now because it's tradition I hate that excuse. It's the it's the evolution, or it's the same mapping of the concept that you see at like a at like a beach that has like a tchotchke shop that's there. One of those like wooden, uh, like distressed wood things that has a mm -hmm. motto, and it just says "It is what it is." And you're like, "No, it is what it is," because you're too lazy to fucking do something else. Like, if you want to do something else, you are not bound by tradition in any sense. Like, you can adapt it and make it better. Like, just go fucking fix it. That's all it yeah. takes. And I'm not asking you to like completely throw, and I, I think we're all saying this, we're not asking you to throw away the tradition. We're no. asking you to amend the tradition to make sure that it doesn't fucking happen again. Put some guides on it or have two people like holding ropes at least to get it past the fucking bridge or, best idea yet, launch it past the fucking bridge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if that's man. the thing that's getting everybody. Just take that out of the equation. Yeah. Real Liter easy. Literally fix. just start on the other side of the bridge. <laughs> yeah. Start the ceremony begin under on the, the bridge. other side of the bridge. So like just it gets wider and deeper after that. It seems like the perfect spot to fucking start the thing, yeah. not the spot uh, where you expect it to end. Well, no, we can't. Tradition means we got to start a hundred yards in front of the bridge <laughs> and then <laughs> hope for the best. Even though the river seems to curve right into the corner yeah. and knock all of our corpses off. This is tradition. Look, the tradition is, and it, again, it is what it is, that we knock corpses off this mat and into the river. That's how we do this. Ugh. Also, make sure that their eyes are spread wide so they can look at everybody as they go by. And make sure we wait until after rigor mortis is completely set in. So if the one that's a yeah. little too tall gets stuck sideways. That's insane. In I, I was laughing for that part. That's I'm sorry. <laughs> that's how stiff he was. And he also was just floating. I, I love the fact, too, that like the, the old man on the bridge, the second time it happens, yells down and is just like, you, young people, fix 
this? <laughs> and, the, and the kids are like, I don't know. We'll hit it with a stick. Yeah. We have a stick that's perfectly applicable in this uh, situation. I'm sorry, Jamal. Uh, if you could not use that stick, that stick is not a part of this tradition. <laughs> stick is not traditionally used. It's not that you need the traditional stick. Uh, I got to go back to my house and go yeah. get it real quick. Can you give me like five? Ugh. It was just the emergency instance to say fuck tradition and get out the stick and poke the body. Yeah, man. <laughs> I, I will say that there was uh there was something obviously very unsettling about the the concept of every night uh Osode has these these dead people on a bridge kind of beckoning to her and that like she doesn't get a lot of sleep. Like that that's maddening to me. But at the same time, I want to say that this sort of had, from all the Junji Ito stuff that I have ever read and have watched so far, this had the probably the most uh, like regular kind of ending. Because at this moment, like finally, you see the grandmother like go through. She knocks. She gets knocked off her mat, like uh, as per tradition. Mm-hmm. You know, she falls into the river. Like her body gets like sucked underneath uh you know where the actual bridge is and then you see what kind of looks like almost like fish underneath the water which is all the different bodies that they have there and then just kind of like a school of fish like they all kind of like take off together like they all kind of like a migratory pattern just kind of depart for the afterlife together and there was something that was kind of sweet i think about that like there was something that was kind of i guess reassuring to sort of see them all from this village with this terrible tradition, as we described, finally just be like, this is everybody. We're not all at peace. And, and the nice thing was, was that it didn't feel like they fucking cursed the, like, uh, what was it? Uh, Kanako. Yeah. Like they didn't curse her for anything. It was just, she had a chance to kind of see everybody go, you know, and, 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 and depart and kind of, I, I, I want to say, that was the first time I've ever read uh, anything from Ito where I was like, oh, these people are fucking peace. Like, yeah. this isn't tragic or, or unsettling or startling. Like, this is just, they're done. Yeah, they're just waiting for their last kiss. Yeah. I love how the episode also says twist ending. <laughs> it does. It does say <laughs> it says twist, twist ending. ending. Not, not, that not, not that big of a twist. <laughs> I love for, like, all the, the stuff that's, you know, subtitled. Uh, just to kind of see like something that's on there, especially like for sound effects where it's like weird screaming. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, fuck yeah, so vague. <laughs> yeah, just so vague. It could be applicable to anything that you have that's on there, but it's always good. So, any any final thoughts that either Tony or Jamal that you guys have about Greased or the bridge? I, I I think they're interesting. I think it's it's worth it's worth you know taking a peek at just to to kind of have your have an understanding of, of what of the context of what we're talking about. If if you're looking for a laugh, feel free to watch the bridge. Uh. <laughs> it is a comedy. It is a comedy. Well, it's weird because it says that in the subtitle, it said comedy plot twist. <laughs> oh man, that's all I got. I'd say just watch Grease if you want to see a creepy anime. All right, watch well, Grease. Well, we're gonna get into our recommendations in just a moment. Uh, but first, yeah, you listening. Yeah, you listening right now. Turns out you have opinions, and you love to publish them on the internet. And to honor your opinions, we are now going to hand this over to longtime listener and friend of the show, Bobby Anthem, this week's Love It or Hate It. Bobby, take it away. There were only two reviews on IMDb for this one. 
So our love it, hate it this week will be more like a this was a show and then a meh review. What will serve as our love it is titled Junji Ito Collection by Tweakums 1 in April 2018. It says, unlike most anime series, this one doesn't have a single story running through all 12 episodes or even the same group of characters. Instead, each episode contains a couple of short horror stories which don't appear to have any connection to each other apart from the art style. At least until the final story when a couple of previously seen characters return. As one might guess from the title, they're based on stories created by manga artist Junji Ito. The stories are nicely varied. Most have a good degree of creepiness, although inevitably, some work better than others. I like the art style. It suits the genre far better than the more traditional look of anime characters. Comments I've read elsewhere suggest it isn't as good as the original manga, but as I've not read any of that, I can't compare it. As a standalone work, it is effectively creepy, if not really scary. Overall, I'd recommend it to those who enjoyed shows like Yamishibai Japanese Ghost Stories. And what we're calling our Hated is titled Good But Could Be Better by Gabriel Fox 8 in August 2018. Gabriel wrote, Two stories per episode showing interesting and weird horror stories. Some are going to make you close your eyes, revolt your stomach, and keep you watching for more. Could be better, but remember, the Japanese culture have a different concept of horror. Amazing as always, Bobby. Thank you so much. Voice that rumbles the earth. Voice that rumbles the earth. We are always trying to get Bobby Anthem animated as part of our 2018 campaign to get Bobby Anthem animated. And guys, we are very, very close. We are so close to getting Bobby animated. Uh, It's exciting. So we have now had a chance to kind of learn what, uh, what some of our listeners and viewers have thought about the Genji Ito collection and what they have that's available. And so now we're going to kind of go around the horn and sort of get our impressions, our recommendations, or whether or not we do not want to recommend this. And again, if you decide that you don't want to recommend this show, you can, of course, give it the Roger Rabbit style dip. And if you dip a cartoon, it erases it from the annals of cartoon history as far as the show is concerned. And so, Tony, we're going to start with you. Uh, what are your what are your thoughts? What are your recommendations? Do you recommend this? I would recommend anybody? it. I would recommend it. Uh, uh, I would recommend it watching it on YouTube. I think the uh, the you can skip the 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 title sequence. I mean, feel free to check it out if you want to. But I can't imagine watching that multiple times. That would drive me nuts. I need the Netflix like skip feature on that. Uh, it because it does. It takes you out of it completely. But I think as as a bite sized chunk, there's there's some value in these. There's going to be some that are that are worthwhile to check out. Uh, so I would say recommended in limited doses. Understood. Cool. Thank you, Tony. Jamal, what are your thoughts and feelings on the Watch Junji them. Ito? Watch them all. <laughs> Doesn't matter what it is. Watch them all. Take them all in. Then make your own decision. I can't ethically dip a cartoon because that means I'm destroying creativity and i just can't do it so go watch them See, especially greece go watch how weird and creepy and unsettling this episode was uh, go watch some of that absolutely i i think that so you're recommending it recommend i think tony has recommended it as well yep this is going to be three for three nice. i am going to recommend this as well i would say as an additional step kind of help you kind of build into this because uh you know to kind of get you excited about halloween about the month of october 
about some of these changing seasons. I think it's also worthwhile that if you find one that you think that you're interested in, definitely also read the manga. The original work that Junji Ito has done for this is beautiful. It's amazing. He writes and illustrates a majority of these that are on there. They are just, they are creepy. Conceptually, they are just so fucking bizarre. I was trying to explain to friend and wife of the show, Melanie Harker, about some of these earlier that was about heads that follow people around with nooses in a small town in order to kill them. Uh, people finding mountains that are that have like cutouts of people from an archaeological dig, and then people walk into the holes. Like it, it just it's so unsettling and it's so bizarre. And it, it, I, I keep seeing, as, as Tony had mentioned, like two of the three different pieces that you mentioned about what makes something terrifying or horrifying or, or a good horror piece to digest. I feel like there's always two of the three that are included in this, whether it's something that's mm -hmm. like actually terrifying, startling, or unsettling, included in a majority of these stories. And they're just, they're off the wall bonkers. I've never read or watched anything really kind of quite like this. So I would definitely recommend it. And if you're interested, all of these are on Verve. I know that we keep saying this. We are not in any way, shape, or form officially sponsored by Verve. But hey, Verve, if you're listening, we would love to talk. Oh, this Verve hoodie <laughs> is so warm. I know. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, this Verve tracksuit that I'm wearing right now, probably the most comfortable article of clothing I own. I have um, yeah. traction control on my car. It's called Swerve and Verve. <laughs> are you proud of yourself right yeah. now? Yeah. <laughs> Sean, I'm impressed with that tracksuit that uh, that you've managed to not move this entire episode and, and crinkle it uh we, yeah. I haven't I haven't heard any of it through the microphone. It's wonderful. Don't have to worry about it. Starched to hell and back. Yep. Yeah. There you go. It looks exactly like the tracksuit in Kill Bill. So it's <laughs> you would not be able to float sideways under the bridge. No, he would, <laughs> not. He would not. Tony, Tony, can you fix this with a stick? <laughs> Tony, young Tony, can you fix this with a stick? No, it's not get tradition. This. I don't want to change it. Look Use the, the verb stick. Dead stick. Get the verb. Get the verb and swerve stick. Yeah, the verb and swerve stick. Jesus. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Tony, and thank you, Jamal, so much for coming on and kicking off our Halloween Spooky Tunes month. I really appreciate it, guys. <laughs> Always a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, Tony. Ah, ruined it again. Oh, son of a gun, dude. All right. Uh, so I wanted to just check and see. Tony, I know you have a lot of stuff that's going on right now. Where can the good folks that are listening find you and anything that you would like to promote and plug right now? So my podcast is the Film Student Podcast. You can find it at uh, filmstudentpod.com, uh, Twitter and Instagram at filmstudentpod, or um, you can also find us on anywhere else that podcasts are shown. Uh, I also recently started doing uh, graphics production and uh, some cinematography and things like that for uh, The News with Maggie Smith, which you can find on Second City's YouTube channel. Uh, yes. So definitely go check that show out. It's a lot of fun. It's a, uh, another satirical news show, but this one, unlike all the others, is done from the wonderful city of chicago where i'm at now so check that out absolutely it's definitely fun i watched the episode where you had included a graphic of me on in the episode <laughs> itself <laughs> because we needed something improv and i needed something we had the licensing for so it was my photo <laughs> Boom. there you go awesome well thank you tony appreciate it and where can everybody find you on twitter instagram uh twitter and instagram uh stick with film student pod so at film student pod on twitter and insta got it awesome Jamal, where can the good folks find you, and what do you have that's going on recently? Uh, you can find me performing in comedy in the Washington, D.C. area. 
Uh, you can go check out my website, jamalnewman.com. Boom. Um, you can also catch It's me a nice on, website. You can also catch me on uh, <laughs> it's, uh, Instagram and Facebook. Oh, no, Instagram and Twitter at, at Hello Newman. The O is a zero. Got it. Awesome. It's a new website now, too, right? New website. New website, everybody. Website. Go check out the comments. Yeah, buddy. Oh, man. Yeah. You heard him on this week's episode, our friend Bobby Anthem. You can hear him on his paranormal podcast, Inhuman Experience. You can find them on Twitter at IEXP underscore podcast, and you can find them on Spreaker and SoundCloud. He's also the occasional third co-host on the THT Movie Podcast Review, which broadcasts every Saturday night at 1130 Eastern Standard on Mixler. You can also find him on Twitter at Bobby Anthem. Send him a message. Show him some love. He is simply the best. For me... I perform live improv comedy in Washington, D.C. with a group that's called Knox. That's spelled N-O-X exclamation point. You can find tickets and times for any of our upcoming shows that we have, witdc.org. I'm always on Twitter and Instagram, at Sean Paul Ellis. If you're looking for Dave, you can find him on Twitter, at DrClawMD. You can also find any of his writings on Nerdist.com, Collider.com, and DaveTrumbor.com. Want to support us? Hey, gang, just go out, review us on iTunes. That'd be really great. You guys have been really fantastic about that. I know it's boring. It absolutely helps this show. If you want to chat us up, message us on Twitter at MorningTunes. If you want to see any of the weird memes or things that we throw out there, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Saturday Morning Cartoons. Remember, that's always morning with a U. You can find any of these links that we have on our link tree, which is in the bio for all of our social media accounts. You can listen to us on the first and third Monday of every month, which is obviously different for October because we've adjusted our schedule. You can find us on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify, wherever fine podcasts are sold. And if you want to suggest a cartoon or message us on email, you can find us SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. Of course, that's morning with you. Thank you guys so much for listening. And this has been the first episode that we have of three because we adjusted our schedule for the month of October. We are going to be back next Monday with an interview with artist Rory Lucy in preparation for his first book that's going to be released called Jonesy, which is a visual novel that he has that is being released about the cat Jonesy from the first Alien movie with Sigourney Weaver. Wow. So we hope you guys check that out. We will be back with Rory Lucy next week. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Do you want to laugh on the way out? you want a spooky laugh? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out.